Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Hey, have you heard about Code School? Code School is a terrific way to learn by doing. You actually get to work through exercises on their website and learn how to build code. They have courses on Ruby, Python, .NET, iOS, Git, databases, and of course, Angular. And you can try before you buy, so they have free intro courses to things like Git, Angular, and iOS. So go check them out at codeschool.com and start learning by doing. All right, we're live again. Um, had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Thank you, Google Hangouts. But uh, we did get Uri on the call. Probably most of my fault and not Google's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll blame the software. It's easier that way. So before we get into this next talk, I do want to once again give a quick shout out to Hired.com. If you're looking for a job, you want to, uh, they have companies in San Francisco, New York, LA, wherever, uh, that uh, provide salary and equity up front on uh, their system. Um, if you sign up, they also give you a signing bonus. I don't know if I've been mentioning that. But anyway, it's kind of a good deal. So if you're looking for a job, um, go check them out at Hired.com. Um, our next talk is one that I'm excited about, Data Dependency Management for Angular Apps with GraphQL. Um, and it's by, is it Yuri or Uri? Uh, Uri. Uri. Uri so the second one. All right. Uri works at Meteor Development Group at the, at the Apollo team and is the creator of Angular Meteor Library and the Angular Apollo Library, which lets Angular developers integrate GraphQL into their apps. Uh, Uri travels around the world building infrastructure, applications, and helping developers. He started with Assembler, C++, then C Sharp, then WPF before taking, taking on the web a few years later. Since then, he works to expand the Angular community to new areas like data integration with the server, Meteor, and GraphQL. Uri, go ahead and take it away. Thank you. Nice. Uh, nice to see you. Thank you for inviting me. It's the first time I heard someone actually like reading this whole thing about me, so it's very embarrassing. Thank you. Uh, I'm here to talk about, usually like I see my job as the Angular community as uh, trying to expand our ideas beyond only the fronter. So I'm this weird, usually this weird guy that comes and says like, okay, templates are great and template compilation and like bindings are fun and components are great, but how do we communicate with the server? Or what's the most efficient way to do it? Or what's the most efficient way to maintain it? And and I think when we strive to um, to make the, our apps like as fast as possible, or like to make the mobile apps as fast and performant as possible, I think sometimes we are focused a lot of like about the bundle size and all kinds of things like that, and how we like put everything in a component. But then we forget that the very big part of our apps behavior is how we actually handle data from the server. How do we request it and how do we store it? And how do we, when and how do we present it to the user? And I feel like sometimes this is the, sometimes it's even more of a, a it's a part that even sometimes affects more uh, of our experience than, um, than moving to one, to, like from pattern to pattern on the front end. 
Um, so today I, I came to talk about the technology that I think is uh, very revolutionary and very exciting. Um, it's called GraphQL. Um, and it's a, it's a technology that... Yeah, so soon enough. Like okay. I, I prepared slides, and also there's a new site that I'm very excited about that I haven't done this site, uh, like um, site, but it's a new site, and I think uh, I will try to go through that site. It's uh, GraphQL.org. Just like a few days ago, it came up with completely new redesign, and and the good thing about it is that now it holds probably most of the things that I want to talk about. So. I'll try to actually walk through the site, Most, also because I want to link people into the site, because until now I've sent people to other links that were scattered around, and finally there's one place you can like, get all the information about it, uh, graphql.org. Um, and also, uh, it's, I don't like preparing slides for things that are already out there. So uh, I already have the slides for my previous talks, but um, I'll try to see that if this site is enough, and if not, I'll go back to my slides for um, from my talk in Barcelona and my talk in Angular Connect. Okay, we just uh, had a few of the speakers. They started talking, and then they assumed that their screen was shared, and it wasn't. So, ah, uh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So. No, so I just wanted to give an overview about why am I talking about it at all. Like I got a lot of people asking me uh, when I'm presenting talks about GraphQL, they ask me, yeah, but it's an Angular conference. Like, don't you want to talk about Angular? Uh, and I think uh, that this is a very critical part uh, of our Angular apps that we should be at least aware of. So GraphQL, in short, like very, very short brief, it's a protocol that um, Facebook is using internally since 2000, late 2011, if I, if I remember correctly. And they used this protocol to, at that point in time, they actually created new mobile apps and they needed them to be very efficient, but they needed it to be on top of their existing stack. And this is interesting because this is a problem that usually as Angular developers, we uh, we tend to uh, to come by, right? We're coming into, let's say, if, whatever, if we're like in a, just in a front-end team in a large company or we're a consultant in a large company and there's existing stack, but we come in and uh, as Angular uh, developers and we're like making the front-end much better, whether it's with Angular 1 or Angular 2. Like everything I'm going to say at this talk is relevant for Angular 1 as well as Angular 2. Uh, and I probably talked mostly about Angular 2, but everything is relevant to Angular 1 as well. Um, so we're modernizing everything, but then uh, we need to work with existing stacks. Usually we, we can't just rewrite the server. And GraphQL in Facebook was used into that. Facebook has like this huge server infrastructure. They did it, but they did need to stack and make proper mobile apps. Um, so GraphQL is that layer in between of your clients and your server that get, lets you um, modernize um, the API between uh, uh, your client and your server. So uh, and now I'm going to dive a, a, a little bit into GraphQL. But again, just the context, which I think is very important, is that the, the communication that we have with the server 
uh, there's a lot of benefits to GraphQL that are related to the server. But I'll touch more about why is it important for us as Angular and front-end developers to use GraphQL, or why is it beneficial for us, um, and less about the other points of why using GraphQL is amazing. Um, so I'm going to screen share now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, with, uh, with the new site. And the new site, uh, I, I'm presenting it because it's, first of all, I'm excited about it. And it's a kind of a joint uh, work between uh, the GraphQL team from Facebook and people from, I think, GitHub, and also Apollo, which is our team that we're focused on building the tools for the server and for the client uh, uh, to use GraphQL more easily. Uh, so why GraphQL is great? So the great thing is that uh, unlike REST, first of all, what is GraphQL? GraphQL is, uh, is actually the, an API. It's not a query language, which means that um, it's not instead of your database or instead of your old server. It's just an API like REST on top of your existing server. Um, so that means that, uh, but how is it better than REST? Uh, first thing is that you can actually describe on the server exactly what data types are you exposing or able to expose. So you can see it just here. I'm exposing a project. This is exactly how you write GraphQL. So I'm exposing a project, and the project exists of name, tagline, and contributors. Um, so that's the server exposing. This is how I build my API. It's very, it's typed, it's self-describable, and I'll touch on those points in a second. Um, and and I'm just telling to the to the client in development, listen, Mr. Client, this is what I can expose. And it's not like the guessing game that as a, the, as a consultant I used to have where um, I'm creating my front end, then I'm getting into a REST endpoint and I need to test out or figure out what's what data this REST endpoint gives me. I don't know, sometimes it gives this data, sometimes other data, sometimes it gives a certain data and then three months later it gives other data. With GraphQL, it's impossible. The API exactly describe exactly what it needs and you know exactly what you're gonna get. But then the second part comes, which is a even more meaningful thing. The client asks for the exact data that it needs. So even though that endpoint, that GraphQL endpoint exposes a project with a name, tagline and contributors, as the client, I don't need all that. Let's say my just a small, thin, mobile client. I want to start fast, and I want to be very efficient. I want my data to load fast. I only need a specific project with the name of GraphQL, and I only need its tagline. I don't need the name, and I don't need to fetch all the contributors. So over the network, I will only get this specific tagline. And the server also knows exactly what I want to get, so it can bring me that tagline more efficiently than other REST endpoints. So this is like in in one I don't know one header of the of the of a site why GraphQL is more is so important. I'm going to dive a little bit into each of those points. 
if, let's look at, at, the, at the live example. And later on, I actually make a live example. But we can look at the website again. Um, if you look here on the top, this is how I write my queries from the client, which is exactly how we think about querying the, the, the server. Like we want, to, we want to query a hero and we want to have specific type of fields. Like instead of like naming it into like all kinds of strange REST API endpoints that, and query parameters and all those stuff, we can actually just specify the data that we want and then get it and get exactly the data that we want. So if we request just for a name, we'll get only the name in this, exactly the same structure. If we request the height, we'll get the height as well. And the mass, we'll get the mass. So um, we get exactly what we need. It's very efficient. And also the server itself can be more efficient because it knows exactly, it knows exactly what we need. Um, uh, so this is uh, very powerful and very efficient, and it gave uh, Facebook an opportunity to write their apps more efficiently. Um, and sometimes when people say it feels native, it's true that it's, some of that is the animation, but also it's how fast do you get the data from the server, and what do you do in the process of, of getting it. Um, another very, very interesting part for, um, for REST API, uh, for, for GraphQL API that is better than REST, I'm still online, that's great, uh, is that we can describe our data in an in a like in a hierarchy, hierarchy. So I have a hero with the name and the friends has, and I want the name of the friends of the hero. Usually what we want to do, and I'll show that like a specific example in, 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 a, few, um, in a few minutes, is that I will request, if you think about like a regular REST endpoint, I will request for the hero, then I will get the hero, and then I will get, and then I will request for his friends. And then for the friends, I will probably get like a list of IDs. And then for each of those IDs, I will have to request the data that I need. That's probably around three uh, requests per one render of my page. Now think about it. I want to, re to render my mobile uh, page really fast. And I'm sending three requests. Uh, another option that I can do is that I can write everything in one REST endpoint, but then I'll get tons of data. And I will need tons of REST endpoints. With GraphQL, I just need to specify this thing, this structure, in one request. And I will get in one response all of the things that I need. It's so much more efficient than using your regular REST patterns. Uh, another really cool thing is that, I don't know, let's take this sketch as an example, I have three different databases here. With GraphQL, I can work with any source. So let's say I have an old, an old server that uses um, a, like a SQL Express. And then I have another microservices for authentication that use Mongo. And then I have another server that I'm calling in, in REST API. I can request it all with one single request like that and get all of those information back, all those of those like, uh, fields that I need in one, re one response back from all those servers. So this is very, very powerful. Uh, Another thing is that each those requests that I'm sending 
are typed. Unlike REST, where I'll get a bunch of information that probably I have no idea what will I get, but also I will get fields that they can be a string and they can be an int and they can be whatever, just arbitrary information. With GraphQL, the server, if you can look on the left here, describes the information that it can give me, not only which fields, but for each field, what is the type of the field. And then when I request that information on the client, which is here on the left, then I know exactly what I'll get. Uh, and I can validate it before even running the app or before even testing it from the server. So I'll show an example for, again, in, in production for a second, like in a, in a few minutes, but it saves me tons of time when I'm in development. It usually bugs that happen when I'm product in, in production. So I will find all the weird things that I'm doing or all the weird things that the, that the server is giving me when I'm, when I'm developing. And I have validations on it, exactly like, um, for example, uh, in Angular 2, we really like, uh, encourage people to use TypeScript in ten, instead of JavaScript. And I see GraphQL as kind of like the TypeScript and REST as the JavaScript, because I have no idea what will I get from the REST, but with GraphQL, I know exactly what queries do I get, and I can validate it while I'm in development. So this is very powerful. Um, and because of all of that, I get really, really powerful tools like Graphical that I will present right now. But here you can see like a, um, a kind of a, like an animation of it. That I can just write my queries very easily on top of my existing server. I don't need to write this uh, tool that's called Graphical, this uh, UI editor. Uh, is something that, that I can very easy, and you see the validation here, like you write ratings and the server doesn't have any ratings, so it gives you a validation, and it gives you here all the docs of exactly what you, what you can and can't uh, query from the server. All of this is zero, um, is zero uh, development from your side. You just get it for free, and you get tools like that for your IDEs, and for your, whatever you need because, uh, because of the technology and the protocol itself. So, um, uh, so this is very powerful and this is something, another thing that you don't get from REST API. Um, this is, a, this is it's actually like, a, let's say a, an advantage that is maybe more for, uh, for server developers, but it can also affect client developers is that with GraphQL, there's no real need for versioning. Like if you used to write REST, uh, REST endpoints or work in, like uh, with REST endpoints, sometimes, you know, with time you need to evolve the endpoints. So suddenly you need to add a director to your field. So you make a version 2.0 of your API and then you make a version 3.0. Now, in Facebook, since 2011, that they haven't had one single, they had one single version. And they have, I don't know how many clients and how many fields has changed. And they have apps that actually work in live since 2012. And GraphQL gives you the ability to just add fields and then also annotate them and deprecate them. 
but the, but it doesn't need to change the client. The client is um, is specifying only the things that it needs. So even though my client still uses the old API, that's fine. And and I can I don't need to have a lot of versions. And it makes the the um, the the process of maintaining APIs both on the client and on the server much easier. Like the more you use GraphQL in production and for over time, the more you see how much time it saves you. Um, and one of the like first, at this point, usually people ask me, okay, so do I need to migrate now my own, uh, all of my apps or all of my existing code into GraphQL? Then the, the answer is, is obviously not. Um, because no one will do that. GraphQL, again, in, for Facebook, it was exactly for that. They had existing front and existing backend, and they needed to make everything work uh, and still evolve the platform. So GraphQL lets you use any, any, um, any implementation you want on top of your existing implementation, because like you see here, uh, let's see the, for a second, we'll see the, animation, we have a type called character. This is the uh, GraphQL specification. But you can see here that I'm just, each, um, each of those things, each, each of those um, attributes is actually, uh, I get the information back through an arbitrary function. And I can write this function in JavaScript, in .NET, in C Sharp, in, uh, in Ruby, in Python, and I can call, and in that function, I can do whatever I need. I can query the database. I can call with the REST endpoint my existing server. I can do whatever I want. So I, I don't need to change my existing apps. And on the client side as well, I'll show you that in a few minutes, you don't need to change your whole API on the client side from REST to GraphQL. You can gradually migrate parts of your front-end stack to use some REST and some GraphQL. And if it doesn't make sense for specific endpoints to migrate from GraphQL to REST, you don't need to. Now, the, probably the next question that people ask me is like, okay, is it a new thing? Like, uh, I heard a lot about it, but who is actually using it? So I mentioned Facebook since 2011, but uh, like two years ago, two, two uh, days ago, uh, GitHub announced that their public API is going to be GraphQL, and they use it internally already. I suggest uh, for people to actually look at their announcement and the talk. It's very, very interesting. But there's tons of, like, tons of like, large uh, companies that use that. Like, just here, it's just a few examples. There's more on the bottom here, but there's Pinterest, Intuit, Coursera, and Shopify. Um, and each of those companies actually like presented how they use GraphQL in a very interesting uh, talks. Uh, so this is GraphQL for like a very, very short intro. And it's not by chance that I went through this website because now this is a completely new website that I like, personally, I like a lot. Uh, and it's a joint venture between uh, like there's a lot of people who worked about this on, on this website for many different companies like Facebook and uh, Meteor and Apollo um, and more people as well that I for, that are probably forgotten. I'm very sorry for that. 
Um, and this is the place that you should go. And you can just like get started here and you have all the information. Like it's very, very interesting. If you look at code, you can have all uh, the server implementation that you need if you want to write in JavaScript, if you want to write with um, Ruby, .NET, Python, you have everything here. Uh, and then also you have here the learn part, which is a, it's just a great tutorial for GraphQL. Um, and I maybe go through it a little bit uh, in my talk, but if you want to learn GraphQL, I, I suggest that this is now the best um, source. Also, if you lo looked at my previous talks, where I referenced all kinds of other sites, I really think that GraphQL.org right now, uh, and also GraphQL.com, which I'll show in a few minutes, uh, are the best websites to get your information from. Um, this is there's great tutorials for all the all the things that GraphQL gives you, uh, very deep uh, ex and good explanations, um, and then also there's a lot of best practices. How to how to think? What are the best practices to use with GraphQL? What GraphQL like tells you to do and what is the preferred way to do it, how to, you, to do authorization in GraphQL, which is a, probably a very common question, how to do pagination and caching. So it's all here. Just, uh, I guess the best thing you could take out from my talk is just go to graphql.org and start learning. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right, you get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. So I'm going to show you a live example that you can go to. Um, just uh, there's, let's say, we are front-end developers, and we're going to start writing a new uh, front-end. Or we build a front-end, and we're going to start talking to the server. So we have exist, let's say, we, instead of having an existing server in REST land, we have an existing server in GraphQL land. So if we have existing server in GraphQL land, this is an example. This is a GraphQL example for the uh, Swapy API. So you can just Google probably GraphQL Swapy. Swapy API is, a, is an example REST API for all the Star Wars films and all the characters and all the starships and everything you need. And this is, uh, you can probably just Google it and try it yourself, but for, with every GraphQL server, you get this editor. This editor called, is called Graph, Graphical. And it's just a great uh, like demonstration of the power that uh, GraphQL gives you. So I don't know anything, right? So I have no idea what's gonna happening. 
I, I remove that. And, but I need to start querying the server. So I have the docs here and I can see everything that I can query. And nobody wrote this documentation. This is a very important thing because sometimes people say, yeah, I have uh, REST also has documentation, but someone needs to uh, maintain this documentation. With GraphQL, you just need to write the code and you get the documentation for free and the validations on top of this documentation. Um, and it's a typed uh, documentation. So let's start with a very simple query. I want to get all the films. It's not enough that I'll get all the films. By the way, if I'll get all the films and I won't say which fields, which, which fields of the film that I need, I'll get a compilation error here. And this thing is happening in real time and while you are in development. So this is, is, those are things that you can validate in development and not before that. And I can go here and see um, what all films give me, which is Films Connection. Um, and Films Connection actually gets films and I can get the, um, let's say the title, I'll get the films from each uh, of those, from all the films I can get for each of them the title, I can get the episode ID, and now that I'll query the server, uh, then I'll get exactly what I need. And let's say I'm gonna add another field, which exists, but I didn't query it before, the director. Now when I query the, the server, I get exactly the same, the, exactly what I need, and not more and not less. And this is very, very powerful. Let's say I want to query for a canon. There's no canons, so I'll get the validation in real time. But now let's say that for each film, I'll also want to get the starships. So I'll get the starship connection, and then I'll get the starships. And I don't know what starship has, so I just, I'm gonna look into what starship contains, and I get the name of the starship, and I don't know the length and I'm sending it sending one request and I'm getting this all of this information so we, again with rest api I would have called films uh, endpoint with the title and the episode id and director and probably more all of that information that we saw here will probably get all of this information too much information but then I'll also get the starships but probably just their IDs. And then I need to have a second REST API call to get all the, all the Starship. And this is very expensive. And this is, if you think about it, this is very, a huge difference between how, how your app would look and how it will behave. And we tend to like, just not think about it too much and just do, use the APIs that we have. Uh, now let's go deeper, right? Let's go and for each Starships, let's get the pilots. We have the pilots connection that contain pilots. And a pilot is a type of a person. So I know a person has a name and it has a homeland, homeworld. Now, homeworld is type of a planet. So from the homeworld, I don't want all the information on the planet. I just want the name 
And I want to see how gravity it is there. And again, in one single request, I'll get as, exactly what I need, as deep as I need it throughout my information graph. And this is very, very powerful. Uh, think about low, uh, like slow connections or even regular connections. And think about your servers and how they process the information, how they send it through the network. This is a very powerful thing that will give your application a big change between the, the, the behavior it used to have before and the behavior that you used to have then, uh, that you have now. Um, so, okay, so next question is, okay, I want to start using it. Um, how do I start? And I'm an Angular developer, so how do I start using it with Angular? So, we have uh, Apollo client uh, implementation, which uh, actually everyone that uh, saw my previous talks, uh, we just released new talks, we re rewritten all of our docs that are starting from being very specific to Angular and then ideas. So we think the docs are much better right now, so uh, you should check it out, whether if you knew it them before or not. Um, and Apollo is a client that sits on top of, um, uh, if you want to get into that, then you can just Google Apollo Angular or GraphQL Angular and you will get there. Uh, and you get to this website. And here you have the documentation of everything you need from start to end um, on how to, with a very, like you can start with a simple example uh, inside Planker uh, and then also how to start. And I'll show you that everything in a second, but you have here everything you need to start using GraphQL in your existing Angular 2 and Angular 1 apps. So we also have a repository for Angular 1 and all of the, again, all the things that I'm saying here about network efficiency is, is relevant to Angular 1 apps as well. Like one of the things that are, I think is happening in our community um, is that we are getting a lot of very good ideas for Angular 2 into our existing Angular 1 apps. And I think Apollo and GraphQL are uh, really good ideas that we should get into our existing apps as well. Uh, so let's look in, at, uh, so again, you have everything here that you need. You just npm install Apollo client, Angular 2 Apollo, and you can start going. You have all the information here that you need to get started. Uh, I'm gonna show now um, an example app. So if you remember this thing that I got before, um, I'm gonna close it and I'm gonna do something very similar, but to a GraphQL app that runs locally on my machine. And this is an example app that I show you right now. Um, it's called Instagraph. Uh, it was written by our top contributor, Camille. Um, and you can see that the server, I can do exactly the same. I don't know what I need to query, but there's a feed and IDs and likes, and I have all the information here of what I can do. I can query the feed and I can query a photo and a photo has the author and likes and if a photo was liked or not. Um, and I just like GraphQL here. Let's say I want to get from, let's go to the feed. 
and see what more can I get from this. So I took the ID and the likes. Let's also query the creator that, and I'll query this thing, and I'll get exactly what I need. So this is an existing server that runs right now. Uh, and we wrote an app, an Angular app on top of it. So this is the app. Um, and you can check it out, the app as well. Like it's on, it's uh, open source and you can look at the website, at our website and there's a link into this example app. Uh, there's also a very nice webinar that Camille has done, I think a few, a week or two ago and that you should really check it out. Um, and this app is, there's three versions of that app, versions of that app. And, but it's exactly, it's one app that fetches the data in three different ways in one app. So we can see that actually you can use a REST API and a GraphQL API in the same app. So let's look at how do we fetch data from uh, a REST API. So I'll just open the network layer here and let's go to uh, this app. So first of all, look at the app, this amazing, amazing app. So you can see that the app uh, is based out of, um, it's just like an Instagram app. So you have the photo of a person, you have how many posts, how many followers, how many following he has, and then his photos. And for each of his photos, you have information on the photo. So if you look on our app right now, on, on the network layer, you can see that, you know, first of all, I need to query myself. So I get the users and I, I get a specific user with ID one. Then, I hope it's large enough. Let me see if I can increase it. Okay, that's good. Then I'm gonna query uh, some photos. So by their queries, so photo one uh, till three. So I get, you know, photos and their IDs. Um, and then for each photo, I need its information. I need the name and how many likes and everything. So for each photo, I'm gonna query again, just call the rest endpoint. I'll show the code in a second. And I'll get that information. This is like a very normal uh, app, right? Um, so it's very nice and it's, uh, it's a good app. It works great. But if you look at the time that it took to render, you can see that it's all, I need, to have few requests and those requests are synchronous. So I can start this request before, I can start like asking for the information of a specific photo before I actually get all the information on the photos. And this is all back and forth between the client. So the time that it takes me to render this app is much longer. And you can see that obviously from, from the network layer here. Now let's look at how it looks from, if I'm gonna use another REST endpoint, but this time that REST, REST endpoint is like a everything endpoint. I'm, go, I'm going to get everything I need, which is probably the next uh, thing that you would suggest. So I'm gonna call everything I need. So I get me and all the information um, and I get, here much more information than I, so I have less requests here because I get all the assets already with, with my requests, but there's so much more information here that I don't really need. And another thing is that um, at this situation, uh, I, if something is changing in the REST endpoint, it's like an everything endpoint, 
then let's say now there's another client that needs other stuff, all of the other clients are affected at the same thing. So I need to keep now uh, all the clients in, in sync, even those doors are clients that I developed a year ago and I don't want to develop it anymore. So in order to, after I NPM installed everything I need, um, then, so first of all, I need to uh, import the, the Apollo, um, like the Apollo providers that I need. And then uh, I need to just define uh, which client endpoint, like which endpoints do I, do I target? And think about it as like just a regular REST, uh, which telling Apollo client which a GraphQL server uh, do you use? So you can see here that I'm just defining local host uh, uh, 4300, uh, GraphQL, like uh, 4300 and uh, GraphQL, uh, which is actually the same endpoint that we use here, localhost 4300, but here we're going, calling the graphical uh, endpoint and we get this whole great um, tool that helps us to figure out what we need to query and when. And this is also, like you can obviously configure your server not to expose it um, in production, right? Like this is just for development use. Or if you have public public facing API, you can actually like expose it, like GitHub is doing, for example. So you can use graphical on top of the public GitHub API. Um, so yeah, so I basically I just told Apollo, listen, this is the endpoint that we need to query, and also it runs on, on the same origin than me. So you can, you know, if you have like cross origin platform problems and everything. You can use that to do that, and also should batch. Which should batch means that um, if there's a few uh, queries that happening at the same time in few different components, which I'll so show in one in, in in just a minute, it means that I can. Uh, the should batch I'll, I'll show in a second. Like it's hard to explain without showing. So that's everything that I need to do. Uh, now let's look at our app. So. Um, Let's look at our um, at our components. So we have a follows component. Let's look at it for a second. Um, very, it's a plain uh, Angular two component. So it just renders follows and it renders like it runs uh, through the ng4 through the components through the and and for each photo it renders the app photo component. Um, so it's very, very simple, raw Angular, um, Angular component. Uh, nothing, uh, it's like a, a dumb component, you can call it, you know, like a presentation component. It just, it gets, inputs a photo, and it outputs uh, event emitters, and it knows what to do with those things. Um, and then you can look at the photo component, uh, which we saw so before, and again, it's a dumb comp a presentational component that knows how to render a photo. Pure Angular, presentational, uh, nothing to do with uh, data queries or data fetching. Now, so how do we get, how do we actually fetch the data? Let's look at our, uh, how this, how those components look 
uh, when we use GraphQL, GraphQL. So again, let's look at the photos component. So you can see here, I have an app photos, uh, still a just completely a presentational component. Um, but then uh, I import the Apollo, Angular 2 Apollo and Apollo Query Observable, which I'll show in a second what they are. And the only thing I need to do is just to define my query. So this query, exactly here. And you can see that I'm writing my query exactly what I need in the same uh, in the same file that I'm writing my components. So if now suddenly I need more information here other than the photo ID, I can just change it in one single file. I don't need to go into a separate service and to change it there. So this is very, very powerful. It means that each component, let's go into photo component. Photo component needs to have the ID and the URL and, and created that and likes. Now, what happens if now I'm changing here something and I want to render also another field? So the only thing I need to do is to change it here, just to add here a field. And like, I don't know, let, you know what, let's look what field, what fields photo gives me. So let's go here and let's search for photo. So we see that photo gives ID and author and light and URL. I can see it already here. So let's see, let's take the author. So let's, let's query a photo, a specific photo. Let's take, uh, Feed ID. So feed gives me photos. So let's we have a photo ID of nine. So let let's query a photo. Um, let's let's do an experiment of a, like real time development. So I'm gonna take a photo. I'm just copying it from here, and there's errors obviously because I get it in real time. And the ID, let's query the ID of nine. Uh, query the ID. Problem. Field folder, argument ID type int is required. Okay, so I need to specify the ID. So the ID, and I need it to be int. Now let's query this thing, and it works. So. You saw the live debugging in real time, which I couldn't do in REST. In REST, I would, I needed, I used to needed to query the server, then realize there's something wrong and figure out the problem. Probably talk to the, most likely I needed, I would needed to talk to the server developer. Uh, but this time I could have figured it out myself. I just look at the hover over the photo and understood what the problem was. So those are the things that I'm querying right now and it works, but let's look at what, what's the next things that follow can, uh, can offer us to query. So let's say one thing that we're not querying here is the author. So let's try to add that. We have the author and the author is a user and it has a username and let's query the first name. 
So let's try to do something very interesting. Let's query the server. We see that it works. Let's copy this thing back to our component. And now uh, let's just, I don't know, let's render it here somewhere. Sorry that I'm not the best uh, HTML guy, but let's, uh, let's do the author uh, username. The interesting thing that happened here is that I, first of all, I was very, I was able to in real in during development to just use those queries, testing up on the server, learn from the server exactly what it needs, and then add another field. The second thing that I could have done is that I changed the photo component, the inner component, without changing any other component. I didn't change the photos component at all. And the server would fetch me exactly what I need. And this means that my components are actually um, self-contained. So I just released a blog post about it um, on the Apollo Medium. Uh, uh, on Apollo Medium, you can also Google it or just go to the Apollo Angular thing. And you can look and you can find this. Um, because I don't have time here, you can find this blog post that actually shows you how little you need to do in order to, um, to add, to change a component. And when we now talk about Angular 2 and components and everything, um, we tend to forget how, like all the other information and all the other things that we need to do in our app. For instance, querying data from the server. And that means that usually what we do is use a service, and then our components are not encapsulated anymore. So GraphQL and Apollo Client gives you the ability to keep your components self-contained, which is very, very powerful. So I don't have a lot of time, but all of those and more are public. The, the things that you need to do or to need to get out of my talk is basically um, graphql.org. You can just you can just check it out. GraphQL.com, which lets you gives you more like events and like GraphQL Summit that is coming, and and all kinds of extra information to get from um, uh, on GraphQL. So those two websites are everything you need. And then when you Google Angular Apollo or Angular GraphQL, you will find how how, how to use GraphQL with Angular and you will get to the Apollo client because this is the way to, today to use Angular 2 and Apollo, uh, Angular 2, GraphQL in your Angular apps, whether they're Angular 2 or Angular 1 uh, today. Um, I would love a lot of feedback from people. Like if you, need a, 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 if you need help or you have questions or everything, you can reach me out in our Slack channel. All right, it looks like Uri is uh, dropped out again. Um, it sounded like he was saying, if you have any questions, you can ask in Slack. Thank you, Uri. I know you can't hear me, but thank you.